We uh, just completed our 2022 World Missions Conference, Apologetics in Missions, and of course, fantastic conference, which challenged God's people to always be prepared to give an answer to anyone of the reason of the hope that is in you. It's uh, apologetics, as you know, is that giving a defense of the faith, an answer to those who might wonder, why do you believe the way you believe? Why do you behave the way you do? But yet, that focus possibly could be nebulous to some, and it, it's, it's theology or it's theory until it's actually lived out. So that begs the question, if I may, on behalf of all of us, how am I to realize apologetics in missions in my own life? What will that look like for a believer to be a missionary apologist? That is, to be a, a missionary, a, 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 a believer in this world who walks around giving a reason for the hope that is in you. Is there any text which might help us with that? So today, a follow-up from our conference, and I want to suggest that your redeemed life is an apologetic in missions. That is, you are the billboard, you are the poster of what it means that is you yourself. If you're not, you're, you're called to be, as a believer, uh, of what it means to give a reason for why you believe the way you do. Oh yes, uh, it's in the Word of God, but it needs to be lived out credibly for a lost and dying world to have an understanding. With that, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, so maybe halfway through uh, the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16 through verse 21. Wherefore, henceforth, in other words, based upon what was said before, that knowing the terror of the Lord, we testify of the gospel of Christ, wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, Though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. I'll explain it in a little bit. By the way, I find 2 Corinthians to be the most difficult book in the New Testament to, uh, to understand and to the syntax of it is, is difficult. Uh, so I'm going to try to hammer this out for us. Verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, or therefore, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing or charging their trespasses against them, and hath committed unto them, unto us, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we beg you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him who knew no sin <clears throat> to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Three primary points, <clears throat> if you're taking notes uh, on this, what I think is a logical follow-up to the fruit of being redeemed. Um, three primary notes. First of all, in verses 16 and 17, I see that new life, new life in Christ, commences with conversion, obviously. 
In other words, you have to be born in order to be alive. You have to be redeemed in order to come out of spiritual deadness. He has to quicken you, make you alive. It's the beginning point. And for some of us here, it may have happened fairly recently. That is, in recent months or years. Others of us have known the Lord, have truly been born again for many decades. For me, four and a half decades, 45 years. Uh, anyone here, by a show of your hand, and, and the best you know, uh, you were saved 60 years ago or more. Hold, keep your hand up. More than 60 years. Okay, let's keep it. 70 years. Anyone 70 years? Our patriarch, Brother, Brother Malloy. Oh, and, and there, I didn't see uh, Ms. Worthy back there. Oh, should we do a runoff, folks? <laughs> you, can, you can ask both of them their, their, their personal salvation testimony, and I, my guess is they'll be happy to share that with you. So some of us have been redeemed for many, many years. Others, the conversion was recent. And verses 16 and 17 indicate that there are at least a couple of changes which take place at conversion. At the point of salvation, things happened. Things started moving. Things started coming alive. Namely, in verse 17, we see that believers have a new position, a new standing in Christ, a new nature. I'm not who I used to be, hence I'm now a billboard, I'm now a poster for what it means to be redeemed. I'm an apologist, Uh, I'm an apologetic, that is, you can look at me, you ought to be able to look at my life and see something is different from how I used to be uh, up until the age of 20 until how I am now 45 years later. There is a difference because there is a new nature. My position has changed. Verse 17 tells us that uh, old things are passed away. All things have become new. And it's not me. Uh, It wasn't that I passed a New Year's resolution. Well, I'm going to try to do better or something like that. Children, it wasn't that I was going to try to improve my old life. The old man had to die. I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live in this life, but it's Christ who lives in me. So he's the one who brought about the change. It was his power. It's the gospel and the gospel alone, which is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. Amen. And so we, uh, we're convinced that we're not interested in, in any trickery. Uh, we're not interested in a dog and pony show, a circus, or anything like that. It is the gospel alone, the message of the word of reconciliation, which changes lives for all those who have received it. And so for me, I received that 45 years ago. My life was changed in Colossians 2.10 says, I became complete in him. So uh, even, even all along these 45 years, I wasn't trying to garner more love from him, greater forgiveness. No, I was complete in him at the point of conversion. Life began and all that he needed to do in the sense of saving me was done at that time. He forgave me. He wrote my name down in heaven. He gave me a new nature of righteousness. And now I am to live for him, not trying to be loved anymore, not trying to be forgiven anymore than I already am, not trying to be any more sure of heaven than I already am. For folks, I am as forgiven as I can be. I'm as loved as I can be by him. And I am as sure for heaven as if I was already there. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 says, I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. And uh, my name's written down. I have a reservation. And if you know him, so do you. To God be the glory. Conversion is what begins life. And aren't you thankful, believer, that you stand in such a blessed 
uh, position in such a blessed standing. In fact, Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man with whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Those sins are cast into the sea, and it is bottomless, and there's no shore. You're not going to see him again. He's not going to call them to your remembrance. That is the penalty for them. You're not going to be judged for them because the only one who could pay for them was judged for them, Christ on the cross. And you being in him, you being crucified with him, means that your sins have been paid for, been atoned for. A new position in him. And because of that, Because I have a new nature, a new character, I have new conduct. Notice at the end of verse 17, all things have become new. Now, you'll want to know that that verb in that phrase is in the perfect tense. That is, it took place in the past, but it has lasting results. It wasn't just that it was made new back then for me 45 years ago, but it was made new uh, and the flavor of it, the characteristic of it, lingers in my life today and will all the way through eternity. I am forever made new is the idea. No rust for the child of God. There's no, you don't have to worry about rusting out. Uh, You don't have to worry about, in fact, uh, uh, I've told folks uh, that I'd rather burn out than rust out. And in fact, I'm not going to rust out because all things are perpetually new in the life of the believer. He, uh, He has saved you, he has redeemed you, and given you that. So, Believers have a new position by virtue of being converted. Secondly, in verse 16, believers have a new perspective. Verse 16 is difficult to, to, to understand. Uh, let, let me just give it to you as, as I understand it and exegeted it. Believers view life completely differently than unbelievers. And Paul testified to that. What he said was that in time past in his life, the appraisal that unbelievers had about others and even Christ was fleshly, was depraved. Notice in verse 16, it says, um, uh, we don't know anyone after the flesh. That is, we're not evaluating it based on, uh, on a depraved mind. We're not evaluating Christ based on a depraved mind. Oh, we did it one time, but we don't know him anymore like that. We have a new perspective. We see things now through the lens of biblical theology, of who he is and what he has done of uh, who I am in him. There is a brand new understanding. And folks, I tell you, uh, at age 20, uh, it's interesting that, that uh, Kathy and I would be uh, preaching this message today. Uh, Kathy and I were going through uh, some uh, things that my, uh, my mother w- gave me um, because she is uh, uh, basically uh, ridding herself of things uh, so she doesn't have to do it at the, at the very end. Uh, and, and one of those things was an envelope of two letters that I wrote to my mom and my sister while I was in the Navy about a month or two after I had gotten saved. And uh, they didn't, I hadn't even been back to Kansas City yet. I was, uh, I was on the East Coast and I was reading through those letters. Oh, the grammar and the syntax was atrocious. Uh, I was so, so embarrassed by it. Uh, I don't even know where I got the spelling of some of these words. Uh, but uh, things have changed a little bit in that area, and I'm, I'm more, more focused on it. But, but I could see in there, in the letters, a, the, the, uh, the brand new freshness of a new life in Christ, but all kinds of, uh, of the world still 
uh, hanging around, wanting to invade uh, my space, uh, as it were. But I was seeing things differently. And I didn't, know, I didn't know any Bible. I didn't know one verse when I got saved that I know of. And yet the Spirit of God had come in. The Word of God had become alive in my life. And I was seeing things God's way even though in a very elementary, rudimentary uh, type uh, of, a, of a maturity, if you follow that. So now, with a new perspective, we see Christ as the immortal Savior, uh, and we see others as immortal souls who need the Savior. When you're converted, newness comes in. Amen? A new character, a new way of viewing things. And so, because of that, because I'm converted, because I'm a, a follower of Christ... I'm now a billboard for giving an answer for why I believe. And so are you, if in fact you know him. Secondly, we see in verses 18 and 19, new life carries a commission. Verses 18 and 19, all things are of God. He's, he's reconciled us to himself. And because he's reconciled us to himself, he has commissioned us as ministers, servants of reconciliation. And then verse 19 gives us the message. We've been converted and now we've been given a calling. Um, and everything I am and everything I do uh, should be consistent with the billboard that says Christ is king. The Lord Jesus is the answer. Uh, salvation is free and, uh, and grace is abundant in turning to him. My life should shout that um, just in the day-to-day affairs of this life. I have a new purpose. My life matters. And what I say and what I do makes a difference. Folks, what you say, what you do, where you go, where you don't go, makes a difference. You are testifying of new life in Christ. Or you're failing to testify of it based upon how that action is. A couple of points on this. First of all, believers are sent out to minister. Notice in verse 18, Um, God has commissioned us to serve others, to think of others more highly than ourselves. Notice in verse 18, it says, And all things are of God and hath hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. He's given unto us, what do you have there? The ministry? How many have ministry of reconciliation? Hold your hand, you got ministry. What other word do you have? The what? The message of, uh, of, of reconciliation. Somebody else has some one thing. Task, T-A-S-K, good. The word is the root word from which we get deacon. And so it's not the office of deacon here. It is the uh, characteristic of a deacon. And what is the characteristic of a deacon in the New Testament? Serving. And so you could very legitimately translate verse 18 by saying, he has given us the ministry of serving others in sharing the gospel. He's giving, uh, giving uh, uh, commissioned us to be servants of evangelism. That is, not only are we to model Christ-likeness. It's interesting, I, Kathy asked me this morning, what the, uh, what's the focus of the message? And I told her, and she said, now you know, Vic. And that's when, that, and that's when it began. I, I said, yes, yes, dear, go ahead, tell me. <laughs> we have fun in marriage. <laughs> and she said, it's not just about being an example. She said, I've never seen anyone saved by simply watching my life, but I've seen people saved by testifying of the gospel of the grace of God in Christ. And I, and I said to her, 
oh, that's coming too. <laughs> and so here it is. We are servants of reconciliation. That is, there's an infinite holy God and there's a depraved immortal souls who are outside and we are that one, the conduit to bring the message of reconciliation to those who need to be reconciled. My, what a privilege, what a blessing that you can actually be used to see God save folks for all eternity. Someone was used to witness to you. Someone was used of the Lord in witnessing to you. And you can, in fact, as well. So, serve others. <clears throat> um, so that reconciliation can be on display in life and in word. Now, how can you serve like that? Well, by carrying out the, the commission, the great commission, in action and in attitude, just like Jesus did. Now, this focus here is not primarily about missions. That is, we send missions, uh, missionaries out and all. This is personal evangelism. That is, you sharing. But just like because we're following up on the missions conference. I didn't share this. Uh, I meant to share it Wednesday night, but we ran out of time for all those who were, uh, who were bringing uh, uh, information as we closed out the missions conference. But I'm convinced of this. Are you a child? Are you a believer? Are you a child of God? Give me, a t- give me a witness of that. Amen? Okay, uh, you're a child of God. Not so much if you're not a member here, but if you are a member at this local church. Anybody, any members here? Okay, a few of you are <laughs> members. Well, by virtue of, of being in this family, all of the family does what the family does. If the family says, well, uh, tonight uh, we're going to uh, give mom a break uh, uh, and we're going to treat ourselves to Burger King. And everybody's excited about going to Burger King. Except for one, one person has a pouty face. Dad, wipe that poutiness off your face. You don't want to go to Burger King. But everybody else does. So you go to Burger King. Well, we as a local church for, oh, 30 years, my guess is, maybe more than that, 35 years, have said that we are going to have direct support of our missionaries, faith promised missions. And we do, over and above our regular giving, not robbing from Peter to pay Paul, not taking from the regular budget giving to keep this lighthouse going, but over and above uh, in faith promised giving. And so we have done that uh, to the tune of now, to God be the glory. We've not missed, Terry, Brother Staley, correct me if I'm wrong, we've not missed payday one time for our missionaries. Is that right? I don't believe one time we have ever missed a payday for our missionaries in 30 or so years. Now, why is that? Because I'm convinced, folks, that as a Red Bridger, you either go to the field or you give to the field. Those are the options. Those are it. That's it. You either go, uh, and, and I am convicted of that, and I am convinced of that, not just personally, but pastorally. You say, preacher, that's strong. You're a part of the body. You're a part of the family. You're a part of who we are. And if you are a part of who we are, you say, I hardly have any money. Fine. Then pray about how much of that little bit that God wants you to give to missions. Amen? He has called all of us to participate. So I either go, and someone supports me going, or you go, Cesar and Luz, and uh, Paul and Anna, and, uh, and all the rest of our missionaries, and we pay the way. Those are the options. And so you can be a part of the ministry of reconciliation globally by either going or giving, 
and locally by being that billboard, that banner of redemption for the world to see. <clears throat> and hopefully I won't get in trouble for all that. But if I do, I've gotten in trouble before. Verse 19, secondly, believers are sent out with a message. We are sent out with a message, not just being an example, but actually testifying of the great things that Christ has done for you. And we're told that in Romans 10, 14, these rhetorical questions. How shall they call upon him if they haven't believed? And how are they going to believe if they haven't heard? How are they going to hear without someone to share with them? Without a preacher, <clears throat> does not mean someone like me. It means someone like you. That is one who proclaims the message to your neighbor, to your coworker, to your family members who don't know the Lord. You have that calling upon your life. I do as well to testify of the great things of God. In fact, Psalm 126.6, he reminds us that he that goes forth weeping, that is the burden for souls, bearing precious seed, that is sharing the word of God, shall come again with rejoicing. You will see fruit from that. Folks, we have a story <clears throat> to tell to the nations that will turn their hearts to the right. It's a story of truth and mercy. It's a story of peace and light. We have a message to give to them. That is our commission. We're converted and we're given a commission to go to be ministers of reconciliation. And then thirdly and finally, new life communicates with a compassion. With a compassion. We're called to be servants and go after the lost, but folks, not as duty or not just a, a, a gutting it out. Okay, it's a discipline. I got to go to the gym. I have to lift weights so I can stay strong. No, it's not that. The heart of the believer who's been redeemed will do so as a delight with true compassion and brokenness for the lost, folks, because they face an eternal separation in hellfire forever. You know, the intensity of hellfire is one thing, but the duration of it is unimaginable. I can't even dare think about forever and ever and ever in anguish and suffering and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Forever. And when it's been forever, it'll be forever longer. And then another forever. Never to be rescued. Now that ought to give any believer a heart for those who are outside of Christ. What are we to do with that? That commission, compassionate commission. Well, we have to portray, represent the Lord. Notice in the first part of verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're the ambassador for the king in another land. For the heavenly king, we've been sent out as his ambassador, his representative, to tell that other place the message of the king and his kingdom. And so we are called to do just that, to represent him in another land. And so as Christ's ambassadors, we're the link to the work of the Savior and the receiving of the gospel by the sinner and God has us right in the, of course, the Spirit of God is doing the work in the heart. That's the internal uh, uh, um, conviction. But we're to press the gospel upon the hearts and minds of those who are lost among us. 
So we must represent him, and then we must actually passionately pursue them as well. Verse, the end of verse 20, verse 21, that we are in Christ's stead. We are standing in his place, calling people to be reconciled to God, pleading with them. Do you recognize that the, the word of God says a Savior has come? And, and, and if you spurn his offering, if you reject the gift that he is offering, then judgment is surely to follow when you pass out of this world. So our job assignment is to passionately pursue the lost. And, you know, we need to look, we need look no further than Christ himself in what he has said in Matthew 8, uh, 18 and verse 11, that he came to seek and to save, to passionately pursue the lost. And folks, other than the worship of the Lord himself, as we have entered into that this morning earlier, other than that, second to that, I would argue that we do not have any higher calling or motivation than exhort others to become worshipers. That others would become eternal worshipers of our great Lord. For we're convinced he's worthy, amen? I'm convinced he's worthy. And I want others to be convinced that he is worthy as well. So we're servants of God. We're ministers of reconciliation. Period. If you're saved. Really the question is, am I faithful and effective in being a minister of reconciliation. Here's your assignment, should you decide to accept it. And mine too. Ask the Lord right now to bring to your remembrance, to cause to flash in your mind that person or people, co-workers, neighbors, family members, that you have every indication are not redeemed. How can you have every indication? By their fruit you shall know them. Do they manifest the fruit of a degenerate life? And begin even this very moment. God, open their heart, open their heart, open his heart, open her heart. You're going out weeping with that burden. But what else are you doing? Bearing precious seed. God, move on my heart in boldness and, and passion to present Christ to that person and rejoice in the Lord, using you as an apologetic missionary, presenting the truth in your own mission field. Lord, I'm thankful for your word and the truth of this text. Because we're saved, we no longer view you in the same light. Totally different. And because we're saved, we see others as you see them. With those without a shepherd who need to be brought into the sheepfold of God. And Lord, you will use us as we yield and surrender 
and obey and trust you and cry out to you for souls. Lord, would you do that in my life, laying folks on my heart, Kathy's heart around our neighborhood as we we have sought to um, befriend anyone who, who will share with us, and we would have opportunity to share the gospel, life in Christ, the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and faith in Him. And you'll save all who believe. Burden the hearts of your people in this hour. With their eyes closed, heads bowed just in the quietness of this moment, if there are any who are watching online who don't know the Savior, or any here in this auditorium who do not know Christ, call upon Him now. Confess your sin. Lord, I am a sinner. In your eyes, I know that. I've broken your law. I've rejected grace. But I'm convicted in my heart, and I long to know you. Save me. I'm calling upon you by faith to redeem me. And even now, if that's you, call upon him. Ask the Lord to forgive you and save you, make you his own. And if you mean it, Scripture says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then, child of God, you know lost people. Ask God to allow you to be used of him to bear fruit in seeing that one come to know the Savior. Lord, uh, move in every heart, every life, whether lost unto salvation or saved to a deeper burden for you in being a representative of the gospel in this world.